everyone. Welcome to Be The Gift Connections. I'm Dawn Benjamin. Tennessee Donor Services Be The Gift Challenge continues to grow in reach in 2023. This year, our Tennessee County Clerks will be taking part in helping us reach our goal to register an additional 125,000 Tennesseans as organ and tissue donors. Our county clerks are key partners in helping us save and improve lives. The Tennessee County Clerks Organ Donor Awareness Foundation was launched in 1996 to support organ donation education in Tennessee. Since its inception, the foundation has raised over $4 million through its Donate a Dollar program. Angie Lamb is the Granger County Clerk and she serves as chair for the Tennessee County Clerks Organ Donor Awareness Foundation. Angie's husband, Keith, received a life-saving transplant in 2020. We're glad to have both of them join us. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you. Angie, how long have you been the uh, Granger County Clerk? Um, 18 years this past September. Did you ever think that you would have such a close connection to the subject of donation? Um, not this close, um, but my mom was actually one of the founding members um, that you just mentioned about in 1996 um, was one of she was county clerk then and she was one of the founding members um, of that. So her name was Barbara Jackson. So it's kind of come full circle. That is great. Yeah. Uh, Keith, I want you to tell us um, when you started getting sick and when you found out that a liver transplant would be needed. I first started, I hit my leg at work. I was working at school and hit my leg on my desk and I got a hematoma on my leg and I had to have surgery. And when they did the surgery, I got really, really sick. And that's when I was first diagnosed with, with the liver issue. Mm -hmm. It was just one of those things. It was actually a good thing that I had to have surgery. It was on my birthday in 2012 that I hit my leg and that's, that's when I first found mm -hmm. out. So it just steadily, the disease just steadily progressed. Absolutely. Okay. Um, you know what, Angie, what went through yours and Keith's mind when you were told that he would need a liver transplant? I just, I mean, I just burst into tears. We were in the doctor's office and it, it devastated me when, when they told us he had non-alcoholic cirrhosis. I, I, I can't even put into words what it did to me. Yeah. Keith, what were you thinking? Uh, I thought it's kind of ironic. I'd, I'd lived my whole life and never drunk a drop or anything. And they said, you've got cirrhosis of the liver. And it just, you know, that's just, and like the first doctor we saw at Vanderbilt, he said it was just a card you were dealt. And it just, you know, you just have to deal with it. Yeah. I think a lot of our viewers may not realize that there is such a thing as non-alcoholic cirrhosis yeah. affecting yeah, people uh, and making it uh, necessary for them to get a liver transplant. Mm -hmm. um, Keith, tell us about the process and what it was like uh, as far as getting on the waiting list to actually be eligible to get a liver transplant. I was real sick for about seven or eight years and then it just continually got worse. Uh, then in 19, or 2020, 18. 2018, uh, 
she told me when we went to Vanderbilt for our first consultation, she said, we're going to put you on the liver transplant list. But I'd been sick getting gradually worse for eight, eight years, you know, and it was just getting worse and worse. And then like in 2000, the fall of 2019, I started getting really sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, matter of fact, I had to quit working just about because I was so sick, I couldn't work. And uh, then we waited and waited and didn't think I was going to get a transplant. We'd kind of given up. Mm. Uh, so Bailey agreed to to give part of his liver to me. And that's a hard ask for anyone to do. Right. To ask and you that's your son. Me. Bailey is your son. Yes, he is. Well, all three of them volunteered. They did. They got tested. And they all three were tested. And Bailey was a match, and he was more my size, and they decided that he would be the best fit by far. But he was engaged, fixing to get married, and that was pretty pretty tough to ask him to do that. Mm-hmm. So they went on on Wednesday afternoon. They went for him to begin his evaluation on Thursday. Well, on Thursday morning of August the twentieth, two thousand and twenty. That morning that he was supposed to start his evaluation, I got a phone call. And the guy said, this is so-and-so from Vanderbilt. He said, we have some good news for you. And I said, my son's done are being tested. Is that what you're talking about? He said, no. He said, we've got you a whole liver. And he said, you need to get here. So we, uh, my girls loaded me up in the car took me to Vanderbilt and at two o'clock on that day, they took me into surgery and I was in there about eight hours or so, eight and a half hours. I come out at 10 o'clock and I had a new liver. So that's wow. how the, went. Yeah. The timing was perfect, wasn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Keith, can you describe how you felt after surgery? Uh, sometimes we hear from, uh, transplant patients that it's almost immediate. Well, it was, it was a pretty long haul for me. It was that quick for me. I, it took, it took six months for me to start turning the corner just a little bit. And I was sick. I, I mean, it, I, I don't have, I don't have any lies to tell. It was tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the rehab process kept going and we kept going, just kept fighting and, and it took probably a year for me to start feeling better completely. But, you know, every day's a good day now. So right. I, I, everything's positive now. So I, I look at it as such a blessing. And, and it, was, it was amazing. It really was. Definitely. Angie, you know, a family member's um, serious illness has an, infect, an effect on the entire family. How did y'all cope? during this difficult time, both waiting and then even um, seeing uh, Keith go through the recovery? It, it was difficult to, to watch him just continually to decline. And he almost died several times um, while we were waiting um, for it just, um, it was hard on all of us. It was hard on the kids. The kids, the, um, the twins were still in high school. Um, when he and when he kind of got really sick and um it, it was hard on everybody but you know just the prayers of 
if everybody just got us through. Um, uh, Angie, how has the experience impacted your work with the, the Clerk Foundation and the Donate a Dollar program in your county? Um, I feel like people give more now than what they did because it, it hit home, you know, for them because everybody loves Keith and, um, you know, they realize, you know, what the, what the program does. And uh, there has been so many people that have uh, become organ donors now um, because I, I guess really until it affects your family, you don't, you know, think about it as much, which we've been on both sides of it. Um, we've had several um, family members that um, they have donated their organs. Um, so we, we've seen both sides of it. Mm -hmm. That's an important point because I yeah. think when people are um, considering signing up or, you know, um, they uh, see something about that, they really don't think about it until no. it affects them. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the challenges for us as we continue to ask people who have not taken that step to go ahead and yes. register that decision because you never know when it might affect you or a family member or a friend in some way. Exactly. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. And it's um, the gift of life. Definitely. So I want to ask both of you, what would you say to those who are watching who are hesitant about uh, registering to be a donor? Do it. Um, I mean, don't hesitate. Um, I mean, he's a miracle, and uh, we thank God for the family and the, uh, the organ donor um, who saved his life. And um, you know, I just beg people to to be an organ donor. Let your family know. Register. Let your family know that you want to be an organ donor. And um, that'll make it easier, you know, easier on the family if something does happen. Um, but just ready, you know, do it. Definitely. Keith, did you have anything to add? Just that, just that, like I said, it's the gift of life. And because I don't think I would be alive today if I hadn't received a liver because I, I declined so badly. Right. And, and I'm just really, really thankful every day every day is a good day that's what that's my motto now since i had the transplant every day is a good day and i'm blessed every day well we're so glad that you're doing well thank you, thank um, you. angie and keith thank you for sharing your transplant journey and your desire to see more people to register to pass on that gift of life and angie we appreciate all the work that you do to spread awareness uh through your office and then also through the clerks foundation thank Take you care. Thank, uh, you thank you so much. When we come back, we'll have another connection story. This one from the Loudoun County Clerk. Stay with us.
we're back now with Loudoun County Clerk Raleigh Wampler. Joining him is his sister Tammy, who serves as Chief Deputy Clerk, along with their friend Mac Tobler, who's a double cornea recipient. Welcome to the program. Hello. Thank you. Raleigh, first of all, congratulations on your election. How have the last few months been going? Oh, they've been going really well. They've been going really well. We were excited. Uh, we want, we signed up to serve the community and uh, uh, we're finding ways and opportunities we can do that uh, really easily. And uh, one of the things is with our Donate to Life program. We appreciate that. Uh, now, Tammy, you and Riley know several recipients who live in Loudoun County. In addition to Mike, tell us about some of them. Um, I guess it started for me as a family member. Um, who became an organ donors when I first um, had my first insight more so of um, organ donation rather than um, working here at the clerk's office. Um, saw how the program works and on a personal basis. And from that, it's reached out to our community to where um, some local friends are recipients or donors. Uh, I have a friend that was a teacher in our county, uh, another county employee that has been um, a donor. And just through the program over the years, we have had, I can probably count up 14 people that have just, I don't know all of those personally, but the majority of those people have reached out to me or we have became aware of. And as we promote organ donation, we try to put a face and a name together so that people um, can really see the effects of it and how it does work to help other people. That is so important to put a, a face Mm -hmm. uh, with what, what we're talking about. Raleigh, how has knowing people whose lives have been saved or improved through organ and tissue donation really influenced your commitment to spreading awareness? Well, I think that, you know, knowing somebody personally definitely uh, definitely is, is touching to the heart. Um, actually, actually, when we, we found out about Mac, we, we, we actually learned that through a conversation that we had here at the office. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a great thing when you can put that face to it. Um, but, you know, we definitely want to encourage people to, to take part uh, if they're if they're willing. Uh, now, Tammy, prior to uh, Riley's taking office, you worked in the county clerk's office. How have you seen over the years people add people's attitudes change about organ donation? Um, I think the biggest thing we see, we try to do the donate a dollar campaign every spring um, to where we set aside a day that's coordinated with Donate Life to um, ask all of our customers that come in, would they like to donate or if not donate, but at least become aware and pass out the information to spread the word for um, the program. Um, we've had different bake sales. We've There's competitions that your all services offer to the um, county clerk's office that we participate in. We've won that twice just for the awareness type and within the state. Um, but getting to reach out to people that once you mention it to them, they um, will tell us somebody that it's touched their lives or someone else's life. We do have a resident here in our county that um, several of those different events has actually came and spent the day with us and actually talked one on one with customers. And um, we usually try to put some faces up and some different testimonies of how maybe one person's um, donation has helped five recipients or vice versa. So um, I know when we get letters from your organization that um, and maybe a mother that her child is, was a um, donor that she has saw on the hind side of that, how it's helped maybe a pastor or somebody else that's a single mom. Just to me, that's very encouraging when you can put it all together and see the end results. And just like with meeting Mac, 
I didn't know that. I've known Mac. Um, she's been in our office and worked with her in different things. And then just like Riley said, a conversation and I didn't know that she had had um, the donation she's had. So that I, I just love hearing that about other people in our community. Mm -hmm. It is wonderful to hear those stories. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, one of the things uh, about this subject is that it's becoming more and more common for people that have a connection. So I think we're going to be hearing more and more stories Yes, um, about people's lives who have been affected, both by being a recipient and then also being a donor family. Yes. What would you say, Riley, to those viewers who are still on the fence about registering to be an organ and tissue donor? Well, I think that, you know, obviously we want to encourage as many people as they will to participate, uh, remind them that they can they can actually um, check that box when they renew their driver's license, which you can do here at our office. Uh, also, um, you can go online, you know, and uh, and become a, a donor as well. But we, we would encourage everybody like your uh, your slogan says, be the gift. And I think it's a it's a great opportunity to uh, extend um, somebody else's life with with the help of yours and so i think it's a it's a great cause and we appreciate everything y'all do it's a blessing yeah. well a we're blessing. so happy we're so happy that uh you were able uh to have mac join you uh, today and we want to talk with her now about her transplant journey as i mentioned earlier mac is a double cornea recipient uh, mac tell us uh what happened to your eyesight and then when you received your transplants well my grandfather went blind when he never got to see me. So uh, I kind of figured that I would go blind at some point, but it was never really real until it happened, of course. <laughs> so um, we were already always told that he went blind from diabetes, but now we know that he really went blind from Fuchs dystrophy. Mm. And uh, never had heard of Fuchs dystrophy before, but they have that we're, this world is so blessed with such great equipment and and technology that they can find out what's really wrong with a person now. And so he never got his vision back. But I'm so thankful that um, in 2014, I went blind and I, I got to find out about Dr. Price, Price Vision Group in, uh, since in, in Indianapolis, Indiana. And... Um, so I went up there and I had one transplant and they they wanted me to wait three months. And when they took that patch off my eye, there's no describing how that is to have vision back after you've been blind. Now I could see daylight and dark to some degree, but it was very minimal. Mm -hmm. I couldn't sell real estate anymore. I mean, I'd pretty much given up on the hope of, that's pretty much my life. I love real estate and uh, I really, really can't describe how, how rough it is not to think you can do what you want to do for the rest of your life. Definitely. But um, mm -hmm. so that was in 2014, 2014. Mm -hmm. okay. Now, how was the recovery? Well, the recovery was amazing. Um, the, 24 hours after my surgery, you have to lay flat. You can't roll your head over. You cannot roll your body over to the side, either direction. You have to lay complete and flat. They call it eyes to the sky for 24 hours. And that sounds horrible. Mm -hmm. It is not at all because you want your vision so bad 
-hmm. that um, you don't want anything to negatively affect that. So uh, my husband was pretty, he was amazing. And he stayed right beside me to make sure I didn't roll my head over if I went to sleep, you know, so, mm -hmm. uh, but they got the first I done and they made me wait three months to do the second one or they wanted me to wait. I wanted as soon as they put took that patch off and, and I saw all those colors and how beautiful everything is. We take beauty, vision, all this for granted every day. It's just it's just like it's such a shame. But unless you've experienced it, you'd never know what you what you miss, you know. But we waited the three months and we had the second eye done. And uh, that was the hardest three months ever because nobody told me that your eyes have to adjust with your brain. I didn't know that. I went to the doctor. I thought I was getting Alzheimer's <laughs> and the doctor just laughed at me. She said, what is going on with you? And I'm like, I don't know, but it's driving me crazy. And she said, well, what's driving you crazy? And I said, well, I don't know. I've had this transplant and, and I don't know. I just don't know what's going on. And so she told me, she said, well, that's your brain trying to adjust to that new vision. And so after she told me that I calmed down and it was better, but that was a rough three months. Even though I had a clear lens in one glass for my glasses and the other one was my regular prescription. It didn't matter. It was rough. <laughs> so so um, now that was eight years ago. How's your eyesight today? Unbelievable. I can thread a needle. Wow. <laughs> With no glasses, no contact, nothing. I've lived all my life, yeah. well, since I was about maybe five or six, with glasses. And it took me forever. This was the hardest part of the whole thing. At night, I would raise my hands up here to get my glasses to set them aside. And they weren't there. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't need them anymore, but it was such a habit, you know. Mm -hmm. That was harder than anything. That's funny. So tell us some of the things that you enjoy doing today that would not be possible unless someone had donated. Well, number one, read my Bible. Number two is real estate. I love real estate. It's not a job for me. It's a service and I love what I do. Um, I love everything. I just love life. I like to embroider and I like to sew. I mean, there's just so much that, would be taken away your, if I didn't your, have vision. Your daily activities, if you did not have that sure. opportunity, would be so much limited, limited and diminished. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, Mac, our eyesight is a precious gift. If you had the opportunity, what would you say to your donor's family? Oh, I, I wanted to find out who my donor's family was, but they wouldn't tell me. Because I think it would be such a blessing to, for them to know that what the gift that their family gave me. Mm -hmm. so you can it's on. two different. I have two different donors. They're not the same donors. Right. And it doesn't change your eyes at all. They just put the little slither in Indianapolis. They just put a little slither of the cornea into your eye. Right. And it's amazing. My doctor up there, I took him this crazy little t-shirt because, well, I like wearing sweatshirts, t-shirts. It says I sell real estate. And, uh, 
So I took him the eye chart and on the back, it, it had the eye chart on the front and on the back, it said, if you can read this, thank your ophthalmologist, ophthalmologist, optometrist, whatever. Mm -hmm. And he was like, Oh Mac, if you can read that, you better thank God, not me. <laughs> he is awesome. And he teaches all over the world, all over the world to do this surgery. Yeah. He's amazing. That's wonderful. Yeah. It's a blessing. So Mac, it's been a, a pleasure uh, to talk to you and hear what this gift means to you. Uh, and just as a side note, our viewers might not realize that around 85,000 people every year receive a cornea transplant. They receive that gift of sight. So um, it is uh, an amazing gift. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's easy to take our eyesight for granted until something happens. Right. And I want to thank uh, Riley and Tammy for talking with us. The Loudoun County Clerk's Office has always been quick to step up and support our donor awareness efforts. Take care. Thank Loudoun you County's awesome. <laughs> our county's awesome. It's the best place in the world to live. She's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Great talking with you. Thank uh, you. Can I add one more thing? Sure. I, I would just like to tell everybody, you know, it doesn't hurt you one bit to donate. And I'm donating everything. If there's anything on this body that anybody can use, I'm donating everything. And then when I get, when they get finished taking everything that's usable, then I'm going to the body farm so that they can, Dr. Bass can have everything else for research, for research to help other people that are in a bad situation. So let's donate. Thank you, Mac, for that, that um, encouragement for people to sign up. You're welcome. We'll be taking a short break. And when we return, Wayne County Clerk Stan Horton will join us, along with his brother-in-law who received a heart transplant. Back in a moment. Wayne County Clerk Stan Horton has a close connection to organ and tissue donation. His brother-in-law, Stan Hanback, is a heart recipient. Gentlemen, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Stan Horton, I want to start with you. Uh, tell us, first of all, how long have you served as Wayne County's clerk? I've been serving as Wayne County Clerk since uh, August of 1998. Uh, September 1st was my first initial date. Uh, so I've been there 24 years. I am starting my seventh term right now. Just started in September. Wow. Well, congratulations. Thank you. So I'm going to let you introduce Stan. Okay. Uh, Stan Ambeck, uh, my brother-in-law, he, uh, he's been part of my family since March. Uh, he married into the family, matter of fact, March of 1980. Uh, so he's, I don't know how long him and my sister dated prior to that. So he's been probably in the family 44 years. So, and he serves as a, a county commissioner. He's actually on his second term uh, as a county commissioner. 
he started this term just in September as well. So um, stay on him back, introduce you to Don Benjamin. Well, Stan, it's so great that you were able to join us because uh, we want to hear your transplant story. So first of all, what was the diagnosis that led you to needing a heart transplant? Uh, I was diagnosed with carbon myopathy. That's weakening of the heart muscles. Mm -hmm. And uh, after a while, it attacks the aorta valve. And my valve was leaking. Uh, at the same time, I said the uh, worst they'd ever seen. But I was in a situation where I couldn't. They didn't think I'd make it through surgery. So, uh, and the disease just progressed till I had to have a transplant. Mm -hmm. So, Stan, I'm sure that it was a great shock to learn um, that a transplant really was your only option. Can you describe the thoughts and emotions that you went through after getting this news? Uh, yes, I guess I'm trying to. It's hard to. You, mm -hmm. you have every kind of emotion you think of you could have, you do. Ending up to, you know, it was, will I live six months? Will I live a year? You know, it's just every emotion that you possibly can. And they, and most of the emotions are low. I re, it really depressed me. And I got in a depressed state one time. But, you know, after a while, you just, you just have to try to do the best you can do and hope for the best. Right. Well, we're always stronger than we think we are, aren't we? Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so, um, Stan Horton, I'm sure it was difficult to watch as your brother-in-law's health deteriorated. How did the family come together to support, to support Stan? Well, I, I feel like we're a strong family. Uh, like I said, they've been married 42 years. My sister and her husband have been married 42 years. And uh, my parents have been married over, over 60 years now, they 65 years. Uh, so we're a strong family. I, I remember one time, uh, briefly while we were in the mountains, probably just maybe six months before, uh, the transplant actually took place. Stan, he hasn't told this part, but he, uh, he wore an L valve. Uh, it was a mechanical heart. He wore two batteries for maybe two years. Uh, he carried those batteries and had to be charged and, uh, there's been a few times during that process he got mighty low in that. Uh, but, you know, we, uh, we're we a faith-based family. We believe in God, and uh, we trust that, you know, things was going to do well for him through this. And uh, it, it's just amazing. Uh, it was just amazing transformation to see this. Uh, you know, the night that he actually got the transplant, uh, his son, Sean, was at the hospital at St. Thomas when this took place. And uh, Sean, of course, it was during COVID. And uh, Sean had to sit out in the parking lot, wasn't allowed to be in. And uh, he actually saw the ambulance bring in uh, the donor. And, uh, you know, so it was uh, it was just an emotional time for us. But... Uh, I think pictures show, you know, how low he was, but, uh, and then today, as you look at the video, you see a working man that, uh, that this whole community has, uh, rallied around and, and saw, saw a remarkable, a yes. remarkable transformation. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, Stan, what year was it that you got the transplant? Was it 2020? What year? Uh, 2021. 
21. Okay. Yes. As a matter of fact, uh, this past Saturday was my two year anniversary. Okay. Well, congratulations on that. Um, so I don't know if some of our viewers may not realize how sick you have to get before you go to the top of the list and get that call for that, that match. Um, Tell us, how sick did you get before that match was found? Were you in the hospital already uh, when they uh, let you know that a heart was available? Uh, no, I was at home. Uh, in 2019, well, after I was diagnosed with a congestive heart failure, uh, the next eight years, I would have a, you know, a couple weeks good. I'd have a couple weeks bad. And uh, it went on like that till 2019. In 2019, I got really sick and had to, was admitted to the hospital, and my EF fraction was 3%. Mm. When it needed to be 50, it was at 3. Wow. So they had, uh, it's like Stan said, they they had no they had no other choice then but to put the LVAD in. And a lot of people call it an artificial heart. Mm. I had a I had a motor I had to carry and two batteries and the the, the tubes that run through my stomach, and they sewed a mechanical heart on my old heart and that's what pumped my blood i didn't have a pulse or a blood pressure for 23 months wow and uh and at that time they had they uh that's all they was left to do or i would have died and they put the lvad in and the lvad is actually called a bridge to transplant mm -hmm. it helps you get better while you're waiting on a transplant mm -hmm. and uh i waited uh well about a year and a half with it i guess in my last five months before i got my transplant the doctor said, well, we need to go ahead and work on your transplant, you know. So I had went through all the testing to make sure I could I could get a get a heart. Everything turned out good. Mm -hmm. So 23, I, I carried, I had my LVAD for 23 months. And uh, one Monday at 12 o'clock, my nurse called here and said that uh, I was on the national donor list at that time. And, you know, six months is very short time to wait. And I thought, well, you know, It'll be six months. It'll be seven or eight months. And how, how, how did I never would have dreamed it would have been three days. Wow. Three days later, they call me 1231 morning says, we've got your heart. Wow. So, so let's talk about the good stuff. After you woke up from the transplant, did you immediately feel better? Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. That's what we usually hear from heart recipients. Yes. I had a, when I had the LVAD surgery, it was a lot rougher. And I, and, you know, and I'll, I'll tell this and people get tickled at me. My, my transplant surgery was nothing. I wasn't even sore. You know, I woke up hungry and woke up just like I was waking up every morning. You know, there's no backlashes to the sedation. And then, see, it added four hours to my surgery because I had a, a pacemaker and a defibrillator and the artificial heart all had to come out. So it took four extra hours on my surgery just to clean me out. Mm. So tell us about the recovery. Did you stay up there near the hospital for a few months? Uh, no, really? <laughs> no, I was in the hospital six days and I came home. Wow. And uh, I actually was supposed to have done eight weeks of therapy, but this was during a COVID time. And I thought, well, you know, I, I probably just wait a while. But uh, after six days, I got to come home. But my tenth day out of surgery, I was already walking a mile, so I never did do no. Uh, I never did do no therapy. That is amazing. 
So tell us about how life is after transplant. Could you, could you no. know life is? After. Oh, amazing. I mean, I'm like I was 20 years ago. Better. Yeah, I mean, you know, it got to a point where that, uh, you know, we like to go to arts and craft shows. And, you know, I have to watch about going and walking. I know we went to one while I was at that sickest, and I, I like not have made it. And they had an ambulance up there, and my wife says, well, just check him out. But, you know, it was just that weakness that I did, that I had. But, oh, yeah, it's amazing. Now I'm back like I was 20 years ago. I've got no restrictions. I do, you know, anything I want to do. Yeah. And as um, Stan mentioned, you're a county commissioner, so you have, you really do have a second chance at life. Oh, yes. To be active. Yes. That is great. Tell me what you I've had a, yeah, I've had a, I've had so many to, uh, like Stan said, it, uh, in our little town or community here, uh, watch me. And I've heard so many. As a matter of fact, one person told me last week, said, you know, I, I became a donor now since, since I saw you done so good because, you know, you just, they just wouldn't. I think people has a conception of sometimes of it. Well, you know, it'll probably help, but they'll always be sick. But, you know, it's not true. I mean, you know, I'm as good as I was 20 years ago. Uh, that's a great point that you bring yeah. up. I don't think people realize that when we say that a transplant is a second chance at life, we mean it. And oh, yes. You oh, are, I, yes. And you are means, a wonderful I mean, example of that. Yeah. And I, I mean, think that's I, important for people to know. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I've had people to come to my house after I came back, especially a week or so after I came back out of surgery. Of course, I didn't get out much, but, you know, they'd see me on the porch and stop. They just said, I want to come see you because I couldn't believe, you know, they thought I'd probably have been in the hospital six or eight months after. It. But no, I mean, it is a second chance of life. It really is. Mm -hmm. And that's what, you know, we're people, what we're seeing is believing. And that's what a lot of people seen. They see it and they believe it now. You know, that's right. what we need to do is to get the word out. People like me that, hey, I'm, I'm fine now. There's nothing wrong with me. Yeah. And, and you bring up another good point. It's important. I mean, it really makes a difference when people have a connection. They say, hey, I know somebody that needed a transplant and they got it and they got right. that second chance at life. And that's going to influence people, as you said, to sign up to be donors because they yes. realize that it really does make a difference. Yes. It, um, it, it, go ahead. It really does. I, and I've had, as a matter of fact, in six weeks, I've had two people come to me and their, their doctor is, is, is uh, requesting, they have a, a heart transplant, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm just hoping more people will see it and pe people see it like me and want to be a donor and, you know, not take it so lightly because, you know, I've been a donor ever since I've had my license, you know, but you don't really know it till you actually go through it. You know, you, you got to go through the test to have a testimony. Right. And, right. and, you know, I never dream, I mean, things that, you know, it's just, it's just, yeah, unreal people, you know, I just hope more people choose to donate. It's, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, that's, that's, that's great. Love your story. Um, Stan Horton, um, I want you to tell us how has Stan served as an inspiration to you? How has Stan served as an inspiration? Mm -hmm. uh, wow, that's a, that's a, that's a good question and a hard one to answer, I guess you could say. Uh, the willingness to live is one thing. And and I will add this. Uh, he's the third person that I have known in my lifetime that has had a heart transplant. Uh, the first one was back in the 80s and uh, a neighbor of ours. And uh, 
Hey, things have really progressed since then. And uh, then a guy uh, just a few years ago, a younger guy than Stan, quite a bit younger, had to have a heart transplant. And uh, he's not, he's had a lot of difficulties. I mean, he's still doing well, but uh, the, it was just the uh, transformation on him wasn't as easy. Mm-hmm. And to see Stan and to come out of the uh, hospital and the, uh, to be able to visit with him when he first came home and to see the joy that he had in his life. And uh, he works at a local hardware store up here. And uh, uh, in my opinion, this hardware store would be suffering if they didn't have him as a uh, salesperson, uh, as a clerk there doing their work. Uh, uh, he just, he's a, he's a joy to be around. He'll make you smile. He'll make you laugh. And even in the worst of your days, uh, he finds joy to bring to you so uh yes he is an inspiration to me as a brother-in-law and i appreciate him that's great well stan handback thank you for sharing your in, in uh, your experience and really inspiring us to live life to its fullest and i appreciate you encouraging people uh, to be donors and stan horton thank you for your support you know it's because of our tennessee county clerks participating in the donate a dollar program that we can continue to reach more tennesseans about the importance of organ and tissue donation across the state of tennessee around 3,000 patients right now are waiting on the national list they're in the same situation stan was in waiting hoping praying a match can be found in time to save their life so what can you do to help well it's pretty simple Register to be an organ and tissue donor. Five minutes of your time could save a life. Just visit bethegifttoday.com to document your decision. And don't forget to talk to your family. Remember, we all have the power to donate life. Have a good evening.